Dare you indeed, and welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 141. It is me on myself because it is an odd numbered episode, and it's also coming out around Friday, maybe a little into the Saturday morning, as I always end up recording pretty late or early, depending on which way you squint your eyes and tilt your head. But welcome to the podcast. And before we go into the three books we're going to talk about tonight, let me tell you where you can find us all over the internet. You can go over to Twitter at WSMarvelComics, where if you follow us, we will follow you right on back like the creepers creeping like we creep. And if you want to talk to me about anything at all, including buffets, uh, parenting, or Marvel Comics, or even DC Comics, just drop me a line, a DM, as they say down at the mall shop and we can strike up a conversation we also have a website weird science marvel comics.com where we review almost every book each and every week and usually the reviews drop at 9 a.m eastern standard time on wednesday that is new comic book day but lately we've been allowed to put a couple of the books up early one of which was Gwen Stacy number one that I ended up reviewing this week, which leads me to our next thing, which is our Patreon account. If you go over to our Patreon and want to support us for this podcast or both of them, or maybe even more, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Also the DC podcast, but you'll get tons of more episodes up to 30 to 40 different shows each and every month. Go over to patreon.com slash weird science. It's not there to keep the lights on. I keep the lights off because when they're on, I may go past a mirror and accidentally look at myself and that scares the pants off me. And maybe I want that to happen. I I don't know. But you can go patreon.com slash weird science. And one of the big things that we do each and every week is we have a Patreon only spotlight show, a Marvel comic spotlight show is the one I will be pointing out during this podcast. That makes sense, right, Billy? Yeah. She doesn't say much. She looked at me and says that. And I always throw in shade that Billy. Uh, this week was Gwen Stacy number one that I just said, and Nebula number one. So two number ones. Number ones are always for Jim. That's what I like to say. And they were both on the Patreon spotlight picked by the bed butts of the Fresh Start crew. Boop, boop. This is Kelly Clarkson. This is Kelly Clarkson. We are filled with a ton of guest stars tonight. But we're going to go to the first book. And the three books we're going to talk about are two from last week, which are Black Cat number nine and Ant-Man number one. And then something from this week, which will be Amazing Spider-Man number 39 but we're going to start with black cat number nine and it's something that we didn't get around to do on either of the podcasts last week and i had a lot of people talking to me on twitter that said what the heck's going on there buddy boy you didn't talk about black cat and you, you seem to tell us that it's one of your favorite books i think you might be faking a z funk as they say off in greece and i said no 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 i just didn't get to it Mainly because I'm a lazy guy, which I say a lot in this house, and we're going to do it right now. It is Black Cat number 9, written by Jed McKay, art by Chris Anka, color art by Brian Reber, and letterer Ferran Delgado. And I'm going to give you the background here, and if you think to yourself, boy, Jim, he seems to be snappy, snapping it up this, this show this week. 
I will tell you that I'm adjusting my medicine and actually not just me, my doctor. And I do take Adderall because, as you heard in the Billie Eilish intro, uh, I have a very, very severe attention deficit disorder where I can't pay attention to anything. I'm so broke I can't pay attention. Right. So they ended up adjusting my medicine for about the zillionth time in a couple of weeks. And it seems to be going all right. I just I'm worried because a lot of times when they do change things up, when they give me something different or change a dosage or whatnot, it always does end up feeling really good for two weeks. And it just goes back to being a zombie, a lazy zombie that I usually am who can't pay attention long enough to watch a normal half hour sitcom is my biggest problem. And that is not a joke. That is completely and utterly a disaster of my life. I can't go and watch a movie. If I watch a movie, I drift away and I it's the worst. But here we go. I'm going to try to keep my attention on this issue because Black Cat is a book that I've really been enjoying. And then here is the recap. Felicia Hardy is a notorious jewel thief known as the Black Cat. The Black Cat. But her latest ta- uh, targets have been a little outside her purview. Huh? At the behest of her former mentor and current patron of the Black Fox, Felicia and her crew have so far swiped an old painting from the Frick Collection, an old paper from the Sanctum Santorum, and an old book from Fort Yancey Street. Well, luckily, those Yancey Street toughs did not know of that. Their most recent heist involved breaking into the Rand Tower, home of the Iron Fist, and stealing designs for a device called the Randall Gate. It has all been in service of a larger scheme, robbing the extra-dimensional vault of the New York Thieves Guild, currently run by the deadly Odessa Drake. But Odessa has declared war on Felicia, and the closer Felicia and the Fox get to their goal, the higher the stakes become. And you start off this issue, last issue, I believe it was last, or last couple of them, you ended up having Felicia... Tell her, Mom, you got to skedaddle, baby. You got to get out of town. You have Odessa causing some problems, even though Felicia's mom kind of gets the idea. Well, Odessa, I remember when you guys were inch high to a knee bug or whatever they say. And, you know, she's not going to do anything to me, but you know that she would. So yeah, it was the, the whole cruise, the 80s music cruise. And now that I think about it, I think it was a couple issues ago. But you had to get her mom out of town. Well, now things have gotten so hot. It's time to get out of the kitchen. Maybe Hell's Kitchen, that would make sense. That'd be a pretty cool little pun there. But they end up going off to Marjorie And if you know anything about Marjorie it's pretty much just like the cantina in Star Wars. You got scum and villainy all over the place. And that's kind of what this leads to. You do end up seeing Bruno, Corpse, and Felicia going off. You have the classic, is this for business or pleasure? <laughs> Both same thing, baby says Felicia, which is pretty funny, and they go off into Marjorie, and you do see the setup of it with Fox and Felicia talking about it ahead of time of you got to get out of uh, New York right now. Felicia doesn't want to admit anything of, you know, I don't want to run. You know, I'm not running from Odessa. Yeah, there's danger, whatever. I'm not going to run. I'll get everybody else I care about out, but then this is ridiculous. And you end up having Fox say, you know, no, no, no. You're not really running. This is all part of the scheme. Now, in the meantime, I think maybe Black Fox does really want to get her out of there. So you set up this whole deal, which would be the only reason that Felicia would go. Um, But yeah, she's heading off and they're going to Marjorie to get a painting, a painting that is going to be from the Italian Renaissance painter Orlando. And it's going to have a little bit in the painting. It's kind of a weird painting that does kind of give you the way to use the Randall device, the door in it. And this will all be going to lead to going and robbing the extra dimensional vault uh, of the New York Thieves Guild. So you see them there in the Marjorie part and they have to go around because it seems as if the painting has gone through hands a lot. Again, if I'm going to go with the whole star wars motif that i like to force on everybody including brandon it's like the millennium falcon it's changed hands uh and it seems that a certain patch has it and no not patrick searcher 
It's somebody else, and and most people will know who it is right away to the point where you might even think, well, why wouldn't Felicia know this? Uh, It is going to be Wolverine, but she goes around and asks, and it's kind of a who's who that she asks. Now, there is a joke here, and that's the thing. Why I like this book is the jokes, the action, but the dialogue's always snappy. I love the way Jed McKay writes it. It's got a lot of things going for it. And when I say jokes, there there are in-your-face jokes that you might roll your eyes. But then there's these subtle little jokes that make me giggle. And this is one because you're going through tons of characters where, you know, Felicia says, I'll ask around. And she's going to go ask around. And I mean, you're going to go through a list that includes Taskmaster, Silver Sable, uh, Moonstone, Eight Ball, Javelin, Deadpool, Howard the Duck. Well, in this, though, she, she keeps going back to Dr. Corpse, and, and he's in, in, the, in the crew. So it's funny, the first one that you see, because you have certain things, like Taskmaster knows who it is, but he goes, nope, not worth my skin, pass. You end up Silver Sable, do I look like a tour guide? First, it's Dr. Strange calling me about a break-in, now this. You're going through the deal, and, and all of a sudden, just Dr. Corpse, he, or he just pops up. How should I know? I mean, he's there with her asking the questions. And then it goes, eight ball jump. Then it's Corpse again. And he's like, stop it. And then it goes, some kids, Deadpool. You end up having Howard the Duck say he's on vacation, then back to Corpse, who's like, ah, he's had enough. He doesn't want to hear it anymore. Uh, and then one guy uh, looks like a delivery guy. He's like, yeah, a worker kind of guy there. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Who patches? I did some work for him. Uh, we ended up, you know, redoing a construction job on the Princess Bar. That's his favorite place. And we ended up, you know, putting a secret room in there in the bar. And this is what gets Felicia like, all right, now you're singing my tune. We're going to go off. We're going to try to steal this painting, but a secret room and a bar, you know, under. Oh my, and she pretty much starts singing her version of these are the, all of my favorite things type deal. And she goes into the princess bar and then does find pretty easily the secret entrance to this hidden room. She goes down some stairs and it seems that everything's already stolen. She's too late. She is, you know, a day late and a dollar short, or at least a painting short, but she finds a card. Now, as this is going on, you end up having the owner, Patch. He must have gotten an alarm. He heard something, whatnot. And he's walking down and he realizes right away it's Felicia. And he's like, Felicia, tell me, darling, did you clean me out? And that's where Felicia's like, really? You're you're Mr. Patch? Uh, you got to be kidding me. And they, they go through this. Now, it is a funny thing earlier even where they're trying to describe you know, what's going on and who this Mr. Patch is. And you end up having Black Fox say he is a mysterious underworld character of no small reputation. There's the first hint, if you didn't know. A ghost, no photograph exists of this man. It's uncanny. And I thought that that was pretty fun as they go. And you end up in this deal, and I always do, like, yeah, Chris Anka's art is really good in this. It gives it that vibrant feel. And I, I got to say as well, it's not just the art. It's also the colors by Brian Reber that does a good job as well, where, you know, it's a very bright, it's a very popping out book there. And I like, though, that the art itself gets this where you do have Wolverine show up. He's a little guy. And Felicia is a tall woman. And when they're standing next, you end up having Felicia have to duck down to get to Wolverine's level and stuff. And it's pretty funny uh, the way they do even that. But the big thing is this card. And the card is Gal Moving, a wholly owned subsidiary of Kilgore Arms. And right away, Wolverine knows that this is left by Cade Kilgore, the kid genius villain who seems to always have it out for x-men slash wolverine mainly and just a little aside kate kilgore was created by jason aaron and carlos pacheco and his first appearance was in x-men schism number one september 2011 and the thing is you end up having jeb mckay not really going fully into Cade. if you know who Cade is you're going to end up probably enjoying this slightly, you know, a little more. But if you don't, it's still fun because it's fun to see a little kid 
end up freaking out and getting mad because he thinks he got one over on Wolverine and ends up that he's kind of getting duped on the side as well. And with that, too, you have Cade Kilgore, the super genius villain, pretty much his only thing, his love and hate relationship with Wolverine is he loves to torture him. Uh, but he hates that he can't really kill him because he keeps coming back or vice versa. It's a weird deal, but he's all about making Wolverine look like an idiot. And this is where Felicia comes up with the idea. Okay. What we're going to do here, we're going to go and hit him where it hurts. Uh, you know, and where that will be is the casino that he owns where they go off to. You end up having Felicia say, you know what we're going to do? You're going to go buy me a dress, Logan, baby. And then we're going to go get that painting. So they end up going off to the casino. And what is going to be at play here? What Jed McKay is going to do is go through a process of telling you about not not specifically, not like really nitty gritty about a casino. We all know what a casino is for the most part. I don't like to bet at casinos because you rarely win and I'm a cheapo. But you end up where Felicia She throws the odds off her bad luck to others. You know, that whole power deal ends up kind of going into the casino and throws all the odds out of whack. It throws everything. So some people are winning big, some people losing, but mostly it is switching the odds where the odds are always in the favor of the house, as we always know. It switches it up. It really throws a wild card into it. It throws a weird tangent into this probability slash lock, and it ends up where everybody is winning everything here. I mean, it's they're winning everything, and this does get the attention of Kate Kilgore, who sends one of his men down to tell Felicia, you got to leave. You're not allowed here. Get out. You know, you're ruining. And she's like, no, no, no. I think I'm just going to sit here all night. I'm so comfortable. At one point, Wolverine's going to just cut this guy's arm off, too. He puts his arm on his shoulder there, and he's going to cut it off. But he said earlier, even, where when they were getting a plan together and going into this casino, Logan thinks that basically Felicia's idea of the plan is, okay, we're going to walk in. You're going to slice everyone, slice and dice. We go upstairs, and then we get Cade. And he says, I'm not here on Krakoan business. This is personal. I'm not allowed to kill anybody. She's like, oh, we're not going to kill anybody. Believe me, they'll want us up there. And that's what happens. They do get invited up. They go up. And it's funny, too, because Cade is up in his you know, area. Felicia already said, listen, what's going to happen is he's going to have this stuff out and about wherever he is, whatever room he's in. He's going to display the stuff because it's pretty much set up that this is his big score. This is him duping the great Wolverine, the great Mr. Patch. So he's going to want people to see this compliment. So it'll all be out there when we get there and we're going to scope it out and then we're going to get the stuff. But they do go in. And it's funny to me because Wolverine knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly who is going to be there. It is Cade. There's no surprise. He still flips out. He flips out. He's so angry that this little kid is starting a war with him. And again, I'm coming from the DC side of things. I have only been reading Marvel and trying to catch up with a lot of things. Cade Kilgore is actually off my radar until this issue. He does remind me a lot of a Damian Wayne if Damien never went with Batman. So if you are here with me from mostly a DC deal, uh, I think that you would agree with that. He's pretty funny. So he's just, he's angry too. Him and Wolverine facing off is pretty funny. And, And the idea as well is, the kid is not that much shorter than Wolverine, I bet. It's pretty funny. But while this is going on, you have Felicia... She's not involved in the fight. She just wants to get this painting. And in the meantime, she seems to be scoping out the place and figuring out what she needs. And what she needs is Cade's glasses, his sunglasses. And yeah, they're kind of the the douchey glasses, you know. I think that Cade's probably about three months from starting up vaping. Probably there in the Marjapur, right? He's going to start doing that because of him being a villain. And uh, so... You end up having these glasses that appear to maybe have been stolen from Jose Canseco back in the day, but he, she grabs these. They're actually a tech glasses that end up being able to see and work through 
all of Kate's finances, all of his things. So with Felicia stealing these, she pretty much has a free reign on a lot of the stuff that is Kate's. And then she just grabs Wolverine. They smash out a window and then end up with a grappling hook from Felicia. Pretty a la grappling hook like a Spider-Man deal. Ends up grappling and then running across the glass of the outside of the building while Logan is probably pooping his pants and, uh, you know, being held by the arm and ends up yelling, I don't like your plans. And she's like, yeah, nobody does. And Cade flips out. Cade flips out, tells all, all his guys, I don't care what it takes. You take all the money. I want you to kill this Wolverine. I want you to kill this black cat. And really, you're not going to be able to kill Wolverine. So kill him like 20 times. So kill that black cat because now they know where everything and get it, can get a hold of all my stuff. Plus, grab all this stuff that I was displaying that I stole from Wolverine and go take it to a secure location, which I'm sure what we're going to find out is Felicia is counting on that. And when you end up getting the term, because through all of this part, you don't have, you know, Corpse or Bruno. And they're obviously there. I think that we'll see that they are doing that behind the scenes Ocean Eleven stuff as this goes on. And that how Kate is reacting will be exactly what Black, uh, you know, Black Cat is figuring out. Felicia will have already thought of this and thought ahead almost like an Alan Rickman in Die Hard is what I'm saying. R.I.P. But yeah, I like this issue. I do. Uh, I actually like it more each time I read it. The first time I read it, I'll admit, I was not taken, you know, completely by it. I thought it was okay. Uh, As I read it more, as I looked into who Cade was, and as I kind of, you know, the plan, a couple of the jokes, but, you know, the big thing with the Wolverine team up is the wow factor. But it all blends in. I like how Jeb McKay plays this. He's not using Logan as just a prop, even though kind of not a prop. Like I say a prop, meaning he has nothing to do with the story and things like that. I like that he's in the story. I like that it is what Felicia needs to get going. And I think that it's well played. I love the dialogue in this book all the time. I think it's just it's really good. It's really natural. It's really funny in a way that isn't forced. You end up having a lot of things. And I'm really falling in love with Felicia. And it's funny you say that. It's like every guy falls in love with Felicia, but just the character and how fun she is. And I just hope this book continues for you know a long time because I'm really enjoying it. For that, I am going to give this one a 9 out of 10 that I should have a stamp. Boom. Seal of approval is what I'd say. That's what I'd say, right? Would that be cool? It wouldn't be cool, would it? But we're going to move on to the next book. And it's a number one. And it's a book I I reviewed on the site. And I reviewed it last week. And it it kind of did slip through me and Brandon's fingers for the main reason is I like to have the number ones on the podcast. I like to have something where we're all going to start off fresh with it. Fresh start. And, you know, see if it's good, decide if we're going to move on with it. Um, But I do like to kind of spell it out to people. So this is a week late, maybe a dollar short, but probably not. But I'd like to apologize that we didn't do it last week. So here we go. And it is Ant-Man number one, written by Zeb Wells, art by Dylan Burnett, colors by Mike Spicer, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And again, I don't have a ton of of ant-man background i don't have a lot i saw most of the first ant-man movie i did not see ant-man wasp though it was on at some point in in my house but again this is where i tell you it's not it's not a joke i end up drifting i end up not being able to pay attention i end up getting weird headaches it's it's crazy and it stinks and it's really starting to affect me watching movies especially where I have a lot of problems where if you hear me talk about movies I'll usually end up for a very long time talk about being halfway done being a quarter done because that's that's unfortunately how I have to do it I mean I'm still not even done endgame so if you spoil it I'll slice you right you shouldn't spoil it no I actually it got spoiled before it even came out or before I even tried to watch it. Um, But I like the first Ant-Man. I like the character. I just don't have a lot of experience with them, but that's going to come up a lot of times in this podcast. I'm not going to pretend that I know everything because I know I don't. And I know that I'll probably say stupid things 
that people who are in the know would know better, but I'm trying. I am trying my best. And so Ant-Man is a fun character. I like him. And the number one I do enjoy because now we're jumping in together. And this is my chance to kind of, you know, get out there, mingle a little with these characters, see what they're all about. And here we go. This is the solicit since we don't have a recap. Scott Lang is back and doing better than ever, uh, at least according to him. But his daughter Stinger, Cassie, and the Ant Hill, he's living in, say otherwise. uh, Desperate to raise his daughter's opinion of him, Scott takes a job from local beekeepers on the uncover a global conspiracy that could topple the world order. No time to call the Avengers. This sounds like a job for Ant-Man. Join the explosive creative team of Zeb Wells, Nova, and Dylan Burnett. And it's funny because they don't spell Dylan Burnett, Cosmic Ghost Rider, a little book you may have heard of, things like that. Even X-Force before uh, Hickman came in and destroyed all that. You end up having... A a creative team that I really enjoy I really, really like Zeb Wells A new favorite of mine because of the Spider-Ham book, I like this book Too, Uh, again, this is Another book that I think I liked More each time I read It, and it's not even just getting the Subtleties or something like that, a lot of times You'll read a book and, oh, you have to read it seven times Before you understand that Grant Morrison Joint, right? That's not like that It's just, once I settled in, went Back through it again and kind of had the whole deal because it is a character. And Stinger, I'm not that familiar with either. One of the things that did serve me okay, though, is going into this, I ended up reading the War of the Realms, the Giant Man issue deal where you did have them. And so that ended up giving me an idea of, you know, his daughter, this. And so I did have that going. And so with that, I did enjoy this. And you start it off where you end up having a team up with Ant-Man and Stinger stopping a a drug-running type deal going through the Everglades. This is based in Florida. And they end up stopping. And it's fun because you end up where you're going to get their idea of the powers, talking to insects, having insects arrive, also growing, you know, all the stuff, being real big, real small, all that stuff. Right away, you get that. But you also get the, the fun of it and the fun of a father-daughter superhero team right now where you end up having Stinger have a little bit of a foul mouth. You see lives in Florida. I mean, I've heard some stories in Florida. Foul mouth is not anywhere as bad as some of these things I've heard. Uh, but yeah, and you have Ant-Man Scott. He's trying to like, whoa, 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 language. Let's stop it. And she's like, ah, I've been a superhero. You know, we're allowed to curse and everything else I did. In the, and, and it's a nice little back and forth. Unfortunately, that kind of does disappear after this beginning. I do think that we're going to get more of that later, more of this team up deal. Uh, I hope so, because I really did like it. They end up, you know, capturing these drug mules, these guys taking these drugs through the Everglades. And even then, it's kind of a funny deal because you end up having Scott and Cassie. They're, they're arguing. They're arguing with each other. And the guys, these drug dealers, drug mules are yelling, hey, buddy, can can you put us down? You really talk with your hands. I'm getting sick. And I've thrown up. They're almost in these like hazmat suits as they go. And the guy says, I've thrown up once in one of these. It's not cool. It's awful. You have a helmet. I'm sure that you would know how it is. It's funny. His helmet has an open mouth. So that's not really a problem. Um, but they end up with the police coming and you end up with the with Scott telling Cassie and also just the whole idea, we we have to get these jobs. We have to do stuff like this where we're going to be known. Let's get our name out there. He Scott has a, a, a better opinion of himself and his situation, it seems, than anybody else. He, he kind of plays it up of how well he's doing, but also pushes who he knows, things like that. And you end up having a guy from the Herald, the uh, probably a website, not just a paper, but they do have a paper uh, in this where they come, hey, can I take your picture for a story? It's like, oh, that'd be awesome. Like, get your camera. And it's like a weird little two, three panel joke of, you know, I don't need a camera. I have my phone. And no, 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 you, you got to get your camera to take our picture. No, no, we do that with phones now. And then he's like, really, if Thor was here, God of Thunder and, and friend of mine, you take his picture with a phone? Yes. Okay. Well, let's take the picture. They do end up, and it, it is a, a funny deal because it is a really big, you know. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer moment. It, it really is. But then I felt bad because I'm like, you know, I'd probably get upset too. But hey, I, I, I could be accused of being a 
young at heart boomer, I would think I'd be. But you end up where they get in the paper. And Scott's all excited because he wants to get this paper. He's all excited. Oh, man, the, the calls are going to come in. We're going to get all this work. Ant-Man's back on top, baby. I mean, I am on top. And he gets in. It's like page 10, little photo in the corner. And he's all mad. And he ends up slamming the paper down. You don't get the full deal. They play it. Dylan Burnett plays it smart here of tight camera angle, just seeing the paper, seeing it. So then when he gets mad, and he starts cursing and yelling and saying, so you realize he, he's shrunk down. He's living in an anthill and he's there. And in fact, he's made pretty much a lazy boy out of ant eggs. So he's sitting on ant eggs, lazy boying it up, gets mad, yells, damn it, and slams the paper on the eggs. And I think that Zeb Wells writes this so well where the ants freak out, but the ants don't freak out with, Hey, buddy, what are you doing to them eggs there? That's my version of like a New York ant. Like, hey, what you doing there, buddy? Now they're ants and like rage noise near eggs, save eggs, move eggs. And they're all going. They grab the eggs and go away. And you end up having Ant-Man so upset because that, that was his chair. He's like, oh, man, that's my chair. I, I wasn't going to hurt them. That's funny enough. It goes to the next couple panels in what in my mind is one of the funniest exchanges I've read in a long time where you end up having Pam show up. Pam is the ant that pretty much vouched for Ant-Man to live there in the ant hill. And again, the way the dialogue is written from Pam, the ant makes it so cool and so funny. It just works so well because Pam shows up, you wear Pam pheromone. And then you have Scott. I know, I know you vouch for me. Make me sad I gave. <laughs> He's like, really? Like, no, no, don't start in on me, Pam. I don't need your crap, too. They just took my chair. Ant dirt, not man dirt. And he's like, I respect your place. I stay out of your way. I don't even, you don't even know I'm here. And it's so well done. It's so just a funny little deal. Then you just get dad just yelling at the top of her lungs. It's Cassie who's shown up because somebody has come to find Scott and he doesn't really have a residence. He gave a address. Unfortunately, the address, he's not living there. He's living in the anthill next to the house. And she even says, really, you're living in the anthill, aren't you? It's that bad. You're living in the anthill. It's, it's almost like you're using again. Right? You're Ant-Man living in an anthill. That's like using. And uh, she says, I'm here because somebody came to mom's house looking for you. This lady here, and it's Dr. Sandra Stully, who is there for a job. And and man's like, this is great. You you ended up showing up here just in the middle of my experiment. You might have heard my daughter talking to me, this experiment where I'm living in an anthill. So that's nothing to do with paying the rent or anything. I mean, I'm living in the experiment. And you end up like, ah, man, he knows that she knows. He's so embarrassed. He takes his helmet off even. And um, she's like, "I, I want to hire you he's like oh you must have seen me kicking butt in that drug deal gone wrong i mean really i i'm the best like what is this deal well that we're the florida state beekeepers association the bees are missing and we heard you talk to insects and he's like really like that's it now I, i'll think about it i you know he wants big things i mean he he wants to go you know find thanos he doesn't want to find bees and he's depressed until Cassie says, you're living in a damn anthill, Dad. You got to take this. It's a job. You're going to get paid. It is bigger and ends up way bigger than it seems at first. And even so, they're saying the, the bees, the honeybees, they've all disappeared in Florida. And that could be, you know, a disaster. It's not an Avengers disaster, but an Ant-Man disaster. And he does end up taking it, uh, mainly because the lady says, please, I rode a bus here. I don't want to ride a bus Ever, you know, for no reason. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. And yeah, he goes off. And it's funny because then he goes off because he doesn't want to ride a bus. He ends up riding a giant flying ant. So he's made an ant big. He flies in. This guy who greets him, it, the, again, the exchange is so funny where you have Ant-Man. Uh, that, right there you have him. He's in his costume. He lands in this area, in this little, you know, field on top of a giant flying ant. And this guy comes over. Hey, 
are you the ant guy that that doc, the doctor sent? And he's like, really? I just dismounted a giant ant. So it, it's, it's a good possibility. And the guy's like, well, giant bee would be cooler. And then he's like, your opinion. They go off to try to you know figure out what's going on. Hey, uh, these bees, they're missing. We don't know what's going on. The honeybees. So he's like, all right. And he just ends up. And it's funny, too, because the way he does this just seems to, in my mind, will make him look even more ridiculous to these people. He just puts his hands out and shakes them and yells, bees, bees, bees. And a bee comes out, a scout bee. And it's scout bee here, yes. And they're like, I'll be darned. You're actually talking to a bee. And he's like, yeah, yeah, now be quiet. I need to, you know, concentrate on this. And you have a discussion. Are your brothers close? The bee says yes, but brothers sting. Okay, so that's the danger. There's dangerous. All right, says to the people, listen, you want to get out of here. Stay away. The bees are dangerous. And there's a really smart line again where the guy's like, you're saying this to us. We're the bee people. We know about bees. Why do you? You're not going to teach. He's like, I didn't say it. The bee did. And then he ends up shrinking, jumps on the bee and takes off. And the bee's like, this is a strange thing you do now. Yes, man, fly will with bee. I show brothers this strange thing. So he wants to go find the brothers, his other bees, which Scott has said, come on, take me to your brothers. Let's go. And the whole thing is Hive One. Hive One calls brothers. Hive One has brothers. They end up going into this little kind of a dirt hill cave type deal, go down into it. And yeah, they end up finding out it is the classic villain Swarm who has gone and is. And even at the point when they end up, there's a couple of discussions of, isn't there a B-Man? And Scott's like, no, 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 there's no B-Man. I'm Ant-Man. I talk to a lot of different insects. And the thing is, he remembers as he's going, yeah, you know what? There is a bee man and there's a swarm. So swarms there and has pretty much, you know, commandeered force these bees to join in with his whole entity there more so than he has. And even with that, you end up having Scott being fed information through his goggles, his goggle tech. He likes to tell the bees and swarm that he knows all this off the top of his head and even before that. But he's like, yeah, Nazi supervillain whose consciousness is dispersed over hundreds of thousands of bees and who's able to mentally control any bee within a three mile radius. And yes, I know this all at the top of my head. You see he's being fed that info and you see it's Fritz von Mayer is the swarm and it is a, a big deal. It is a, you know, a villain for him and they end up attacking. But you see when swarm tries to punch at Scott, the bees themselves actually block his punch because they don't like swarm they're not there because they like him he is controlling them and they don't want to be controlled a lot of them are there against their own will and they're trying to escape and so scott ends up getting a lot of these bees and it's almost like bees to me assemble and ends up making a exoskeleton out of bees it's pretty gross if you don't like insects you're not going to like any of this part though it's dylan burnett art which is more cartoony uh but he ends up scott ends up with the help of these bees ends up fighting swarm and ends up as he's fighting swarm these bees are getting freed they're dispersing so it seems like hey this is a great you know, mission accomplished. This was easy. You end up Scott with the help of the bees has been able to stop swarm. The bees all go back. He'll collect his money and move on. The problem is, and in a twist at the end here is the idea that swarm was actually there for the side of good because he was trying to keep at bay these three other avatars and they are Vespa, the specter of hornets you got Thread, the silkworm ghoul, who might be the ugliest of them. And then you have Tusk, the rhino beetle hulk, who looks pretty cool. They, they all look pretty cool. They're all, you know, pretty disgusting, but they look cool. And so then you have Scott saying, okay, I got to give it to you. You may have a point. He kind of ended up screwing up the balance here. And there's some big trouble coming down because of that. But that's where the issue ends. And it's a good cliffhanger to get everybody excited for the next issue where you're going to have a fight. And this book, 
for a number one, you end up learning the most important relationship in the book, which would be Cassie and Scott, father-daughter. You end up seeing that Cassie is Stinger, who is teaming up and hopefully more with Ant-Man. You learn a couple of Ant-Man's powers. You learn you know, a lot about him, a lot of the humor. You get his voice down, and the voice is really good, especially for me. Again, I've, I've seen... The Ant-Man, the first movie, and that the voice is, to me, that Ant-Man. And some may say, well, Jim, that's because that's the voice in all the Ant-Man comics or whatever. I'm just saying what I'm familiar with. And I really like the voice. I like the tone of this book. It's a fun book. And I like when you have these side solo books, especially with a character like Ant-Man. Like, even when you had the Ant-Man movie, it was like, oh, well, it's not going to be as big as the Avengers, but we can have some fun because of that. You don't have to have the big, you can have the, the deal. And I think that that's how the solo book's playing out as well so far. The idea of let's just have some fun. Let's do these little things. Let's, you know, poke fun at stuff. And I, I really did like it. And again, I, I'm going to give it an 8.5 because of that. And I, I'm a big fan of Dylan Burnett's art. I think his art's great. But Seb Wells, he is becoming one of my favorite writers now. And I, I do need more of a body of work since I've only read two issues of Spider-Ham and this. But even with those, I really, really enjoy them. I like the way he writes characters. So we're going to go off to the last book of the night. It has a personal feel. Because it involves podcasting, and and I I do the podcasts, right? And there is even some funny things in here that make me laugh because it's stuff that when we started our DC Comics podcast was the first one. And it's things that I yelled at Eric about where it seems like you end up having Nick Spencer and even in the book Jonah end up knowing, you know, one of my theories, but. It is Amazing Spider-Man number 39, and it's written by Nick Spencer, art by Ivan Coelho, colors by Brian Reber again, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. I really like Brian Reber as a colorist as well. And here is the recap. It is Breaking News Part 2. Our humble webhead has been busy with matters of international significance. With his former S.H.I.E.L.D. operative sister, Teresa, Spider-Man was tracking down clients of in-prison arms dealer Chameleon and recovering contraband he sold off from S.H.I.E.L.D.'s abandoned armories. For the Parker's latest mission, Spidey robbed a corrupt bank, concealing his peacekeeping motivations to protect S.H.I.E.L.D.'s reputation, avoid public panic. Well, that was the plan until J. Jonah Jameson stepped in and Peter realized he may have been neglecting some problems closer to home. Meanwhile, Foreigner, occasional assassin, current consort of Silver Sables in town, maybe with a few days to thrill, trying to blow off steam at Chance's Casino for Criminals, the Palace, but Chance's sportsbook system for betting on super fights might be rigged. Might be. It was. And he ended up getting screwed. So he's going to try to get his revenge in this but what we have is a first half that really is just involving jay jonah and his podcast and he ends up where he has his guest and his guest is spider-man and it's it's a cool thing because jay jonah once he learned the identity of spider-man being peter parker peter told him uh he has changed his tune and because he he knows peter's a great guy so he realizes that he was wrong that yeah, out of nowhere, Spider-Man wasn't a menace. So he's been touting the whole Spider-Man's a hero. You get a really touching moment in this uh, that kind of turns the deal around until it doesn't. But you do have Jay Jonah's podcast, which, and this is where I said, I mean, we have two podcasts. We have the Weird Science DC Comics podcast, and we have the Weird Science Marvel Comics podcast. Because I said to Eric, who wanted to name it some wacky thing, what are people going to look up? They're going to look DC Comics podcast, DC pod. So, you know, make it simple, stupid. And that's what Jay Jonah, he has this podcast. It's just the Jay Jonah Jameson podcast. That's all it is. And it's funny because I think it's being played because he's a guy who isn't up to speed on things and he's playing things really vanilla. But I think it, it's well served. If anybody wants to know and look up the Jay Jonah Jameson podcast, it'll be there. But yeah, he ends up having as his guest, Spider-Man. And they're going to talk. And the thing is, there's some funny things here where you end up Jay Jonah doesn't understand that it isn't live. But then you also have where as they are introduced and introduces Spider-Man, who's about to talk, you get the circle space ad. So they're throwing out all the ads. I mean, Jay Jonah, the guys have ads already. We do these podcasts, 141 episodes of this. Nobody's yelling for us for ads. 
In the meantime, though, you go back and see how all this came about. You do see that Jay Jonah ended up spilling the beans on, you know, Spidey and his sister and S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that whole thing with the bank robbery. But he was doing it from a good place. He did not like that people thought that Spider-Man was bad. And that's what he's all about. So when you have Spider-Man show up before he agrees to do the podcast, he shows up. To yell at Jay Jonah, say, listen, what are you doing? I told you the stuff in confidence. I told you about the shield deal. And uh, you weren't supposed to tell anybody. He's like, I didn't tell anybody. I told everybody. And he's all about the clicks and things like that. And, you know, Spidey says, butt out. Stay out of it. Get away from me. Done. I don't want to talk to you right now. I don't think he's necessarily saying I hate you and I'm never going to talk to you again. But he doesn't want to talk to him right now. Jay Jonah does sulk off. They even say it in there and he just looks out the window. I like he just goes off, head down, opens the window. Maybe he's contemplating jumping out. Who knows? I don't think he's that type of guy. But he ends up looking out the window while you end up having Nora, Nora Winters, who is running this whole thing for Jay Jonah, who came and convinced him to do this. Uh, Spite even recognized her. He's like, Nora, I should have known you'd be involved in this, your nonsense with your non-reporting and checking in the facts. But this is ridiculous, uh, whatever. And you end up having her say, you know, it's impressive, isn't it? All this world-class media campaign, podcast, streaming video, all for Jameson to jump into the future, his brand to go in the future. You have Spidey, yeah, good luck with that. And she's like, listen, he's a natural. I mean, he's great at this. All the stuff that we're doing, he is awesome. And you know what? He's even better at just being somebody to work for because he has no demands. He did not demand extra time on the air. He did not. We saw before he was involved with those shock jocks, morning zoo guys who were just making fun of him. Jay Jonah just wants to do his thing and wants to get his news out and wants to be a, a guy who's, you know, not even just respect. I mean, he really does want to be the best thing in the world. But you get this even in this description here. We all know that bluster is to hide the fact that he is just a nice guy who wants to do well and things like that. And, yeah, sometimes he gets a little mean. And, you know, he may make a villain or hire one in the past to kind of get sweaty. But, hey, that was the old Jay Jonah. But the thing is where Norris says, you don't understand. Like, we thought he was going to ask triple pay. We thought he was going to demand to have a, a 24-7 on the air. And he never did. He only had one thing. One thing that we cannot ever go against, the one ironclad rule of J. Jonah Jameson, we have to show the world that Spider-Man's a hero. And that really is a nice thing. It really is. And J. Jonah, is he just can't help himself. He can't help himself the way he does things and how crazy he gets and obsessed and all these things. Uh, but that's the one rule. That was it. And that ends up making... Peter decide you know what it's right he is pretty much my biggest fan and he's you know now here for me so maybe I should give him a solid he goes over to him and is like how about that podcast thing you know maybe I could be on it and yeah you end up with what you're going to do now Nick Spencer is going to give you a little recap because it's been a while since you had a lot of things with when Peter you know ended up revealing his identity and even the times in this series and issue number 13 when they ended up having their understanding things like that that was really nice uh to lead into this podcast so you have the podcast and it's a smooch the butt podcast at first it's pretty much jay jonah hey spider-man you're the greatest you are the best role model of millions everybody loves you and spider-man's like I'm delighted just to be here. I'd be a listener if I wasn't a guest. And pretty much, I'm here with Jay Jonah Jameson. Such a great guy. You are, you're a media mogul. You could be the king of all media, which is funny when you mention that because there is a mention of Howard Stern in this as well, which I am a huge fan. Uh, and so they're talking, they're laughing. And you end up, these other guys go to Nora. What's going on? This is the worst podcast ever. Like, I thought they were going to fight. The reason why you got Jay Jonah is he hates everyone and will fight with everyone. And he's not. He's boring here because they're kissing butt. And Nora's like, I don't understand either. But let's just hold off a minute because I think if we wait, there's no way that these two 
can talk for a while and not at least get into an argument. And uh, it starts. It does start where you end up where, you know, a little bit longer. It's like, hey, Jay Jonas, like I have to admit, never would imagine we'd be sitting here talking together as friends, even partners. And Spidey starts going full in. Yeah, you know, you finally saw the light. You, you end up, it couldn't have been easy for a guy with your reputation and career to end up admitting that he was completely wrong, bogus, poppycock, malarkey. I don't know what the word is, but really, it was all bogus. You were a fool. And you, you end up where Jay Jonas like, I suppose. And then he, Spidey just keeps going. He's like, oh, don't misunderstand me. It takes a big man to admit you're wrong. And I admire that, but really... All those years you wasted with your nonsense and all those bogus headlines. I mean, it's funny. It makes me laugh all the time. And then you end up where Jay Jonah's like, they, they weren't all bogus. And Nora's like, here we go. It's starting now. And she gets all excited. You see her big smile. Well, now we do cut off, too. And then I wish, I don't know. I don't mind the stuff with uh, the foreigner and Chance in, in the casino, but... I, I could have just watched the, 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 the disintegration of the podcast going on of Jay Joan and Spider-Man. I could have read that the whole issue. I really could have. You do end up going, though, off to see Foreigner still ticked off. He's ticked off because, I mean, wouldn't you be? You end up going to a casino for villains. Now, yeah, it's a casino for villains. You got to understand that there might be something. And basically... It all ends up being all powers are able to be used. You can skew the odds. You can do whatever you want. So that would be part of what you would go with the betting. And Farner got screwed. He he was cheated out of money. And so he ends up, though, figuring something because Chance then comes to him and says, come on, why don't you try to get your money back? I mean, we got a lot of fights going on right now. I mean, look at this. We got the Hulk versus what looks like a giant Yeti. You end up having Iron Man. He's fighting himself like always. I mean, classic Iron Man versus Iron Man. You know, you want to place a bet somewhere. We can do this. And now you end up where the foreigner then. And I saw one person was confused by this because what foreigner ends up doing is starting to pretend that chance has offered him up a, a bet, which he hasn't, but he wants to make it. So basically he's skewing the odds his way by making it something that he thinks may not be able to happen where he says, what's that chance you want to place a bet with me that you can steal a web shooter right off of Spider-Man himself. And I mean, everybody's like, Oh my God, what's going on? Let's go over. And and if you succeed, I have to cover all of tonight's debts from all the wagers. Oh man, that's old school. That's cool. And everybody's in. Well, now chance is stuck because all the villains come over some classic ones too. Uh, there's April and uh, you end up well that's not what I said but everybody's there he has to save face he can't not do it and you end up have the foreigner I I accept how could I not and you know what a brave thing to do I'm sure your very exclusive clientele will thank you for it they all start cheering so he's shaming him into doing this and he's like go then you know we'll be watching and it's funny because chance through this even starts saying like I don't know. I don't get a bead on Spidey being anywhere near here. And it gets the point. Farner's like, no, no, no. Here he is. This is where he is, obviously, doing the podcast as it's going on. But we do, before that, go to the podcast. And it's just going to continue this idea. The continue the idea of Spider-Man saying, oh, man, you were you were bogus. You ended up making me a menace when I wasn't. You really made it hard on myself. That way you're not a real journalist back. And it gets heated more and more. And really... At one point, I thought, Nick Spencer, if you end up having Jay Jonah get so mad and call him Peter Parker, I, I will I'll slice somebody. Uh, but it ends up throwing it back. Jay Jonah is a smart fellow, and he has a point because the idea of Peter saying, you know, hey, you made me look like a menace all these years. It was really tough. I was young. I was just starting out. And right off the bat, from the get-go, out of the gate, you did this. Jay Jonah starts saying, whoa, 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 buddy. It wasn't that, you know, just me. And and really, I think that what goes on here, Jay Jonah ends up going through the whole deal of it, it, it's a two-way street here. It's both of us where Spidey just wants to blame Jay Jonah. And in the meantime, you know that Jay Jonah by the end is pretty right because he says you always go alone. You end up never filling in anybody on any information you don't let us know did you ever when i put the first you know web slinging menace 
did you come to talk to me and say, hey, you know what? That's not quite what's going on here. And let me tell my story. Maybe. And almost like because you didn't say anything, you ended up looking very guilty. You never gave me evidence to refute anything I said. And also you instead of that. You showed up and you would antagonize me and and bully me and threaten me and make fun of me. And I even like to joke, you know how much long it takes to get spider webbing out of your mustache? It takes a lot of time. Uh, at this point, you have Nora. She's cracking open the champagne. They, they have a winner here because they are going at it, at each other. And I do think that Jay Jonah has a really good point of, you end up all the other heroes because when he even says you are a menace all this spidey's like i was an avenger and he's like yeah yeah you kicked us you, you got kicked out and then peter says you that was with doc ock i mean that wasn't me and jay jonah comes with a, a zinger where he says yeah you know what if you actually talk to people and we knew what you were all about and knew you we would realize that somebody else had taken your place, but nobody did because you're a jerk who doesn't talk to people. And I think that was a, a kind of a smart deal where Nick Spencer kind of goes with the idea of why didn't people know that it wasn't Peter? It's because he doesn't really talk to other people and things like that. He works by himself. And then Jay John even says, listen, even when you team up with people, you end up having to fight them first. And Peter's like, that's a team up institution. We all do that. But yeah, it all ends up. Kind of, you know, Peter looking kind of bad uh, through this as they're fighting and and they are going at it. And even Peter realizes when he thinks back and you have a a panel that's pretty cool where it's just Peter's face in the middle. He's got the headphones on for the podcast, but all around is all the times or not all the times, but a bunch of times he's just antagonizing Jay Jonah. Uh, So, yeah, he's got a point. He really does. And I think it makes Spider-Man think a little and even says by the end, I'm going to have to rethink how I do this and and be a little better. But you go back to the foreigner chance, the casino, all the people he's rigging himself with his jet pack. He says, you know, hey, I may not be able to find him. So the bet's kind of nil, you know, null and void if if I can. Oh, no, here's the coordinates. He's giving them to him. He's right there. Go get him. And you end up having to. Uh, thank you, Farner. Such kindness. Uh, one I won't soon forget. And then blast off to go. And you end up having Farner say, hey, uh, go on then, old sport. You're about to make me very. And then it goes off where they are popping the cork at the podcast. Rich, we're going to be rich. They're going. Everybody's fighting. But as this is going on and the, the, the fight keeps going, they're arguing. They're standing up. They're pointing at each other. They're shaking their fists. You do see chance coming. And by the end then also one of the last zingers that jay jonah gets in is like listen to i wanted to say this forever stop with the jokes pal we don't need the jokes do you think captain america shows up with a laugh track i mean you're you're a joke yourself stop it and as that goes on peter gets the spider sense and it looks like and played like it though we know that you end up having chance showing up yeah, uh, it looks like Peter has jumped over the desk to attack Jay Jonah. He did not. He ended up going to save him because the spider sense went and he knows something's coming through that window. It blasts through and it does end up with Chance there just kind of smiling, fists clenched going. And it just says to be continued. Uh, and Nick Spencer has to get clever at the end where he says, uh, nothing could ever be that's simple with me and Jonah because he says, I'm not going to fight, but even if I want to, it cannot be as simple between me and Jonah. But then if this is the end of our partnership, no one can say I didn't give it a chance. Right? Chance. Make me love. Oh, my. But yeah, that ends it. And I'm glad that I started talking about Amazing Spider-Man. I'm enjoying this. Now, this had some podcasting deal, but I think that the, the real fun was to let Jay Jonah and Peter kind of yell at each other again, have Jay Jonah get back to almost. And, and at one point he almost called him menace and they're like, he almost did it. They're all excited. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I still think they're friends, but I, you see that all of that stuff from years and years and years, it didn't just go away. The minute that Peter said, look, I'm Peter Parker and Jay Jonah saying i'm just going to make you look like a hero you see the deal and there's even more you even have at points 
where Jay Jonah had the thing where he's going to talk at the men's club and Peter was supposed to, you know, you do have Peter kind of neglecting Jay Jonah a bit through this series, the little times that we had had it before. So I like the way that plays out. I'm giving it an eight out of 10. I had some fun with it. Uh, I like both of the stories, though. I like the Jay Jonah and Peter stuff a little better. And uh, I'm going to be reading and reviewing on the Friday show the next time because I am enjoying it until I get frustrated. I think that sometimes the deal is, is Brandon does not like it. It, it, It's something I like more than he does. He is going to catch up to see, but I don't want to put him through it. If, If he ends up not liking it, there's no reason for him to talk about it. I don't mind talking about it myself. And it's given me the one thing when we started the Marvel podcast I said I wanted two things. I wanted to read Spider-Man and Captain America, the two characters that I was most interested over at Marvel, and we really ditched Captain Marvel. I'm not enjoying Tennessee Coates' run, so I haven't been talking about that, uh, but I'm liking Spider-Man a little more, and I like that. And I think that also diving in on the Patreon as a kind of a, a backdoor commercial, uh, right now I'm doing the Clone Saga, the original Clone Saga from the early 70s with Peter when you ended up having Gwen Stacy after she died coming back that first time, things like that. And I'm starting to enjoy Spider-Man in general. It's a character that I out of everybody in the world, never really read any Spider-Man. And now I am enjoying reading it. So I, I like talking about it as well. But the other thing just to say, I end up doing this show and then me and Brandon do another one on Monday. I may end up, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, I may end up doing random shows. And I was thinking the idea, you have a set day, you know, hey, our podcast comes out on Friday. Yeah, if things are around and maybe we have a book that we didn't do and I oh well, what the heck I'll throw it out on a Wednesday or a Thursday whatever who, who cares about rules right rules who needs the stinking rules I said we started the DC podcast and at one point we're having a weekly 13 hour podcast each and every week we've never missed a week at the show since we started uh, except the between episode one and two we ended up having a computer fail and we lost the second episode so since we then re-recorded the second episode the week after and since then we're now on i believe episode 367 is what we we're recording earlier and we have never missed a week we, every week and we i don't like missing stuff and so the the idea though is we ended up saying you know what who cares about the rules of podcast i hear that podcast should be 45 minutes so we're like eh Let's make a 13-hour podcast each and every week. And we went months, if not a year or so, with a podcast that was at least nine hours or more. We ended up having mail sections that were three hours long. It, it was completely ridiculous and should never have been anything. It should have failed miserably, but people seem to like it. So I think that everybody needs a thing. You need something to be your thing. And maybe the thing for this one will not be the 13-hour podcast, but maybe the thing with this one will be. Occasionally, they'll just be random episodes that come out at different days with a book or two, whatnot. And we'll see if people like that. A little treat. But yeah, who cares about schedules? And as long as you're consistently coming out with stuff each week, hey, maybe we can have some more. So I hope that that would be something that people would like. I usually get the idea that people like more, uh, which would be another thing to say about the Patreon. If you do, I'll go right in the commercial mode. That if you do want to hear more and hear more of a lot of Marvel podcasts, but also DC comics, also things like a pop culture podcast, things like that, uh, go over to patreon.com slash weird science. Also, if you just want to support us, you can do as low as a dollar just to support us, just to give you to me again. It's not really like, oh, my, I have to keep the lights on or, oh, I pay. I would pay for this if, if I can't. Say, if I can't pay my electric bill, I should get a second job and it shouldn't be a podcast. Or, you know, the idea of paying for where we go and the, I did that way before we did podcasts. So I, I can handle that part. But what it does actually do for me, and even the dollar, whatever it would be, it actually does encourage me to keep going. It actually encourages me, it makes me happy. I don't know if you're that interested in making me happy, but it actually makes me feel like we're doing something that people appreciate. And it does make me think. You know what? I like doing this. I like that people appreciate it enough to give us a dollar or so because I know that, you know, it's not the easiest thing sometimes to just give out money. But if you do go over to the Patreon, we try to make it worth your while. That's why I didn't want to have a Patreon account that was just, hey, you know, throw money at us and we don't do anything. We have a lot of shows and we have a ton of shows and I like doing all of them and I really like the feedback. And you also end up 
being in the Slack chat with the Get Fresh crew or the Fresh Start crew. Beep, boop. And that's fun, too. And I like that we have a lot of really cool people that listen to both of our podcasts and end up being very accepting of things. Yes, we end up coming off as more negative than a lot of podcasts because we're not going to fake the funk and say everything's a 10 out of 10, though the Marvel is easier because I get to pick and choose what books we do talk about. But you've heard us say some books are a garbage, as they say in France. But I like that while we end up, I say, being honest, not negative, a lot of people around us too, this kind of get fresh crew, beep boop community deal. A lot of great people who kind of have each other's backs, talk about comics, and yeah, can end up arguing, can end up not liking something, but that doesn't mean they're negative. It doesn't mean that they hate. It's pretty pretty cool, pretty awesome what the other people are who end up making this all worthwhile. So if you want to become part of that, patreon.com slash weird science. Uh, also, just remember on Twitter, it is WS Marvel Comics. On the website is weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Again, keep it simple, stupid. We also have an email address if you want to email us for the Monday show. It is weirdsciencemarvelcomics at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes as well. And then I guess, I don't know. What else do we have to talk about? You like that Billie Eilish song for the, for the James Bond, does you? Because I do. And I, I get a lot of shade for that too. So why am I why am I setting up shade? Also, I like you know things like that. But hey, uh, one of the things I'll be doing in the next couple of days is I do the solicits and sales podcast for both the Marvel and DC and the Marvel one will be coming out Monday. That's the last thing I'll mention. Maybe, but now that's it. I'm going to go to bed. It's a quarter of two a.m. So I've gone into the stepping in the a.m. Saturday morning show. I guess this would be, but. I'm going to stop and I'm going to go edit this and then I'm going to put it up in the feed. I'm going to give you the whole rundown. This is what, And then I'm going to go get a drink, probably of almond milk because I'm on the, the, uh, the Whole30 diet. I'm not allowed to drink regular milk. And then I'm doing that thing and it makes me miserable sometimes, but I'm sticking with it. And then I'm going to go to bed and then I'll be back doing some things tomorrow. But you may actually hear, you know, something before Monday from me. We'll see. We'll see how it Go see if it ends up being something that is inspiring to do. There are a bunch of other books to do, so I I would like to maybe pop in for one or two, but we'll see. But that's it. I'm not going to ramble on anymore like I do. Uh, Thank you, everybody, and I will talk to you later. This is Kelly Clarkson.